Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezrat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Tzadik Beis in Maseches Yevamos. We got the band back together again. Yoranowitz is pumped. Okay, so what page? Tzadik Beis and Madalf. Let's start in those two dots, three lines down, shall we? The Mishnah said, Nisus Alpi Bezdin We started the 10th chapter. 10th chapter. And. It was an interesting case, right? Tragic case. A woman gets uh, married. Her husband goes on a business trip, doesn't come back. And we talked about the difference between an Eid Echad, that was yesterday's daf. Now, the Bezdin gives her Rishus to remarry after a certain time. There has to come a point where we don't want her to just rot on the vine forever and, and be alone, wait forever. So they give her Rishus to get remarried, even on the basis of just the testimony of one aid, even though normally uh, aid echad is go- not going to be enough for verification. This is a, a takana because of the because she's an aguna. Flip side is if she doesn't do due diligence and turns out, and this is really a fascinating thing that was really the focus of yesterday's stuff. Uh, as it turns out, and Stewie Shabbos, Andrew's buddy, uh, was I got a chance to hear him give Shab- um, shir yesterday on Shabbos. Pointed out the Shulchan Aruch says, and this was really the topic of yesterday's daf. You know, even if two Adim, the, the Gemara yesterday gave a contrast between two Adim uh, who testified that they saw the husband passed away, uh, and one aid with the sanction of Bezdin, right? One is Rishus, that's called Bezdin allows Rishus of one testimony, and Shalob Rishus is when Bezdin doesn't have to give Rishus because after all, there are two Adim. And in both cases, Halacha uh, lemaisa it should never be halacha lemaisa, but it, when it is, in both cases, uh, if the husband comes back, she's going to get a knas. Okay, uh, as it turns out, we would have to have uh, a situation of a get, or at least a chalitza if it's ibum or anything like that. And the reason being because at the end of the day, we do expect due diligence even with two edim. Because what I'm what I mean to say is two edim in the context of bezdin certainly. Are, create a reality, right, when you have a court case. But obviously, in this case, the reality has really, the true reality, the Matthias slaps you in the face when the husband comes back. So obviously, we made the wrong call. And that is the topic of today's uh, daf, where we begin. Because there's two ways that you can make a wrong call when Bezdin makes a wrong call. And that is the topic of the Mishnah, the idea of a korban. You know that there's such a thing as bringing a korban chatas Right when you do something b'shogeg, right, and so the question is, do you have to bring a korban chatas when Bezdin told you that you could get married, right, and you end up right marrying another person and you having relations with that person, you're living with that person. What happens with the korban? So that's what Bring the, the so so here I'll read it inside and I'll explain. It says nieces will be Bezdin that if she. Halpi Bezdin means an Eid Echad, right? So you had an Eid Echad, and the Bezdin said that she can get married. She has to leave both men, and the Mishnah said she does not have to bring a Korban Chatas. Why does she not have to bring a Korban Chatas? Because the Bezdin told her, as we will see, that is something that is predicated on Bezdin. That is the very first, the Aleph base of the Mishnahis in Horios. The very first Mishnah in Horios tells you, that a person, that when a Bezdin gives you a uh, psak that is incorrect, and based off of that psak, 
you make, uh, you do an Avera Bishogeg, you're going to have to bring a Karban Chattis. Remember when the community, the idea of Parahelim Dover Shotzibur, when the entire community does an Avera, they have to, uh, the, the, the Bezdin has to bring a Karban. So here, this is the case where an individual, right, the woman, was told by Bezdin that she can get remarried. She does not, as according to the Mishnah, have to bring a Karban Chattis. Because, why? Because Bezdin told her that she can get remarried. And if you're doing it based on the, the erroneous sock of Bezdin, then you do not have to bring a Karban Chattis. To this, Amar Ziri, and now we're four lines up from the bottom. This halacha that's mentioned in our Mishnah, that she does not have to bring a carbon chatas, actually is not how we hold uh, halacha. That's not how we paskin, based on something that we learned once in the base medrash. What did we learn in the base medrash? The base medrash, Ein zahura elatos. A fascinating idea. Let's say it's Shabbos afternoon. And you start seeing the sunset empirically, right? You're looking at the sky and it's getting super dark. And we remember when we were learning Rosh Hashanah, right? All of these different cases of trying to figure out, is it day, is it night? Do we see the moon? So here, let's say they, the Bezdin ruled that the sun already set. Let's set aside the fact that the Bezdin was there on Shabbos or whatever. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Four lines down inside Beis Amidalef. Is that today's daf? Yeah. Okay, good. Four lines, of- Four lines down from the top. From? Uh, on Do you see Tzadik Beis Amidalef? Two dots, four lines down? I'm sorry. From the top? Oh. It's okay. All this time I was just schmoozing uh, for you to find the page anyway. So now we really only started reading inside. But you see what, where we are? Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so again, the Besden was there and they decided, uh, it was asked of them, is it still Shabbos? And they said that Shabbos is over. No, you see, you look at the sky, it's very, very dark. Shabbos is over. All right, so based on that, everybody's already on their their phones, chas v'shalom, and everybody's starting malacha. zachar. Turns out that Mitzias is incorrect. They didn't, have they didn't have the right. They didn't have the atomic clock. They didn't know what time it was. And turns out it was a cloud, and it was a miscalculation. The sun comes out. It was still Shabbos. Ein zehora elatos. That for that you're not going to be what potter from a carbon. There's a difference between hora. And Taos. So this is very, very interesting. Now we're going to talk about when Bezdin makes a mistake, Andrew. Is that mistake a mistake in their judgment? Or is it that they were given wrong information? If the mistake is in judgment, so then that is when, so let's say we act as a, as a public act on the wrong judgment of Bezdin, then we do not have to bring a carbon chatas. However, if they were given wrong information and their process and their thinking was all completely 100% right, it's just that they were fed wrong information, so then we still do have to bring a Korban Chattas if we do that Avera B'Shogig. It is only when Bezdin does a miscalculation in the Lambdas, so to speak, 
in their thinking process, it's only that that exempts us from a carbon chatas. So now watch this, Barry. You have this woman, and she was told that the husband was not no longer alive. And therefore, based off of that, the Bezdin, that's Haru, right? We're talking about a case, not Mishnayidim, but with an Eid Echad, when Bezdin allows her to get married. Um, so when the Bezdin allowed her to get married, would you say that that's a mistake in Lamdus or in Psak? Or would you say that that is simply a tos, a mistake in the Metzius? They were fed wrong information. And that's, that is very important because if it was a mistake in Lamdus, as we'll call it, right, in their Psak process, so then we'll say that she does not have to bring a Korban. That's what our Mishnah says. But that, but what Ziri is saying is what you might have thought on your own, which is that all that Bezin was doing was getting the wrong information. They got the information that the husband was dead. And based off of that, of course, they were able to paskin. The process was that they're going to allow her to get remarried. And therefore, this is not a uh, hora'a. This is not a mistake in psak. This is a mistake, elatos. This is a mistake in that they were fed wrong information. If that's the case, then it, that it's a tos, then the halacha is not like our Mishnah. The halacha is not that she is pater from a chatas, but rather, if it's a tos, she should have to bring a korban chatas. So that's what Zairi said. To that, Rav Nachman Amar, horahi. No, it's not a mistake. And you can see how this is a hybrid case, right? Because the Bezdin did, I'll say it outside first, the Bezdin uh, did issue, right, uh, a horah that she's allowed to get married. Um, but they did it based off of wrong information. So this, these are the two sides, as the Gemara will say. Amar of Nachman, like this. Teda de Why does he see it as a problem in Psak? You see? In other words, generally in Kol Tarakula, we don't believe Eid Echad. So here, the fact that we believe Eid Echad, right, is because we have instituted the Bezdin Paskind based on their process that we're going to allow Eid Echad here, right? So that shows you, the fact that they accept Eid Echad here shows you that they've sort of infused some form of judgment, right, in being makel for this woman to get remarried. That is not a, an issue of Matthias, albeit it was based on wrong Matthias, but that, you could say, is an issue in process and that is why she's um, exempt from the carbon Chathas, right? And so that's why he's saying, that is not a process. That should be considered a process. To which Rava says, "No, I'm a Rava. No, Teda de Tosu. It's not really Psak. It's really an, an, a Tos, right? In Mitzias, they were fed wrong information. And then he brings a fascinating Raya. He says that let's say, for example, what's what? the difference between a blunder and and an erroneous?" Uh, so the truth of the matter is, Goranowitz, that it's a subtle difference, but it's an important one for the purpose of a chatas. An erroneous ruling is you have all the right information, so to speak, and you made, or even if you don't have the right, all of the right information, you, there was something wrong in the halachic process of decision of Bezdin, right? So it's, so to speak, Bezdin's fault, I guess you could say, right? It's a, something wrong with their halachic process. When you do that, you don't have to bring a carbon chatas. It's a big difference. However, when it's a blunder, what we'll call, a blunder means that they, they're, uh, they were in their right mind. Their thought process was correct. The blunder was that their information was incorrect. There, you do not have to bring a carbon. There, you do 
have to bring a korban chatas. So here's a fascinating litmus case. What if they made the same kind of mistake with regards to kashas? As follows. Whatever. There was some trafe over there, whether it's chalev or it was blood. They thought it was Kool-Aid. Whatever, they allowed it. Okay. And then for whatever reason, at that point, they, at some point, they saw that there was a problem. That clearly there was a problem with the kashas. If they went back and somebody said that it was nobody would listen for them. This is talking about Right with regards to kashras, there's never any. There's no turning back, right? Even though, right? They ha, you had if you had an argument and you th- go back to your original argument, you say we think that this is kosher, but then you find out that there's a reason to assume that it's treif. You never go back to kashering it again because even though you have right aiden back and forth. Right at the end of the day, or some sort of evidence back and forth. At the end of the day, when it comes to kashrus, the evidence that this is not kosher, that this is chelav or dam, will always carry the day, and you don't turn back on that. It's a fascinating concept, right? That we see with respect to chelav and dam, with respect to kashrus. So now let's apply that to here. However, here, when it comes to a single witness with regards to whether the husband is alive, sharina. If you would apply the same scenario to here, where you have an Eidecha come, and he says, I saw that the husband died, and we allow her to get married, and then Asutre Asrana, and then two contradicting Adam saying, no, we were with him, uh, we went to the movies uh, the, yesterday, and they say that he's alive. And then, and if another aid were to come and corroborate the original aid that said that he, that he was dead, right, we would actually allow her to remarry. Says Rava, my time, What is Rava saying? A fascinating idea. That if you had two Edim, right, come and say the way the process works when it comes to believing an aid with respect to whether uh, the husband died and whether we allow the woman to get remarried, if you're going to say that aid echad, I understand. In other words, the reasoning of Right, Rav Nachman was that the fact that we allow an Eid Echad is like Bezdin infusing their own reasoning into this halachic process. And therefore it should be considered, um, right, a halachic problem and therefore she should be exempt from the Chatas. But what Rava is saying is an ingenious idea that really even if it was two Eidim just separated by, right, uh, an Eid, separated by two Eidim in the middle, but in our case, unlike Kashras, if, even if we had two Edim versus two Edim, we would still always allow, based off of the testimony of the first aid, we would always say, you know, that that's going to carry the day. And it's not really because we're infusing ourselves and our halachic process into Eid Echad. It's just because we believe the Metzius of the first aid. The fact that we take the first aid, and then if you have contradictory two aid, two Edim, that say that he was alive, and then another aid that said that he wasn't alive, it means that what you have at the end of the day is some sort of conflicting two Edim, and it's not really the halachic process of allowing an Eid Echad that's causing the, the problem. What's causing the problem is a different thing, that we always believe the Metzius of the first aid. We believe his evidence, because of Aguna perhaps, right? But again, the case that he set up was with a second aid that's added on at the end. So whereas in Kashrus, right, we will take, if you have Adam and say that it's Usr, 
Whereas in kashras, we'll always err on the side, so to speak, of making sure that we don't eat it. When it comes to letting the woman remarry, we're going to listen to the first aid. But it's not really one of a halachic decision. It's just, you know, you have a conundrum. And it really boils down to, as complicated as it sounds, it's boiled down to as simple as this. If you have a conundrum in kashras, you could always go l'chumra and say, you know what, better not eat it. But if you have a conundrum here with this woman who's left, you know, without any recourse, we're going to be mekil. But it's not a halachic decision. It's a decision that it's almost like an, uh, what we'll call a nihug. It, it's just our practice to, to be mekil for her and to give precedence to the evidence of the first aid. But it's not a halachic decision. It's just... Right. So, right. So Barry, Barry is not going to let me go here. Barry is going to call me out, and he's going to say, at the end of the day, of course, it's a halachic decision. You know, Bezdin has to issue some sort of thought process, even to say that we're going to put these two, the initial aid and the second aid together, is a halachic decision of, of sorts. So you're right, and obviously the answer is a little bit. Um, I guess I'm oversimplifying it. There is an element of halachic decision here, but at the end of the day, right. We're, we're basing this, we're, we're allowing ourselves, I'll, I'll say it differently. When you, maybe this is the answer. I think there's more than one lumdish way to answer your question, but I'll answer it this way. The best answer I think I can give is that when you take an aid echad with no additional aid and you allow her to get married, so now you've you infused yourselves, right, into the evidence, so to speak, right? You've taken you've admittedly taken scanty evidence that wouldn't hold up in court in any other, in any other fashion, and you've infused yourself into that halachic process and said, we are deciding in the, right, despite the lack of evidence that we're going to let you get married. That's a real psak in Bezdin, okay? However, when you have two them, albeit separated, right, weird circumstances, so then you have this, like, plausible deniability that, okay, that even though it's a halachic decision, of course, you're ruling it, but you can say, no, but we're ruling it based on two Adam. We have two Adam here that say that the husband died, and so we're, we're not infusing ourselves into that decision. We're, we have the authority in that scenario to, to say, oh, we're slapping these two Adam together, creating that halachic reality. And, then, and therefore, it's not really our infusion of our authority that's, 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 that's being mekel in her. We have just simply taken the typical halacha of two Adam, even it's it's an unusual version of it, and we've create we've allowed ourselves to say that their testimony determines the mitzvahs as opposed to the testimony of the contradicting adam. So you're right; there is an element of a lachic decision, but in the absence of but but in the presence of two adam, that's going to be less of us sort of infusing ourselves into the halachic process. That's the best way I can answer. But you're right; of course, every decision uh, when there's contradictory evidence is going to involve. Right, a halachic process, but apparently it's less of, uh, of a threshold to, um, to exempt her from, from a korban. Okay? So if it's, or, or in the case of, um, and it, so, so therefore in the case of Eid Echad, if you're going to say that's just Eid Echad, so maybe it would be a reason why it would be more of a halachic decision and she would have to bring a korban chatas as opposed to, but by the fact, but, but again, they're both agreeing, Rava, right, and Rav Nachman, Right, they're both going to say that they're that they're going to that that they're going to either uphold or reject the ruling of the Mishnah based off of that, based off of whether it's considered hurrah or whether it's considered a tos. So, whereas right, Rabbi Zera is going to say that it's a tos, and therefore she's going to be 
Chayev to bring the Korban, the Mishnah that says a Hara, so Rav Nachman is going to, uh, is going to say a little bit more like the Mishnah that's Hara, and therefore you don't have to bring a Korban. And Rava is saying, no, more like Rav Zera, that it's a Taos, because even if you brought two Edim, you would still, right, you would still say that, um, you, even if they brought two Edim, they would still believe the first witness over the second, and that is not an issue of, um, as much of infusing yourself on the halachic process, and therefore it is one more of a taz. And to your point, Barry, the reason why there's a machlokas between our mission and Rubzeira, so to speak, la uh, halacha, is because certainly it is a hybrid, as Barry's pointing out. There is an element of, listen, we don't know the mitzias until the husband shows up, but, uh, but prior to the husband showing up, we're, we know already ahead of time that we don't know for sure the Metzius. And therefore, it's just a question. Are we wrong in the Metzius? Or are we infusing ourselves in the Lachic process? And we can, in fact, see it both ways. So the fact that, right, that, that, that the Gedolim saw it both ways is clearly an indication that there's elements of both here. So you shouldn't beat yourself up if you see both sides of the, of the equation, because that's what Rava and Rav Zeher did as well, and Rav Nachman. Okay. So let's go back with another Tana who supported Ziri. To, to, to indicate that in fact it was a talus as follows. Rav Rabbi Yezer suffered the talus who, the Tanya, Rabbi Yezer, Omer, Yikov Hadin Sahar. It's his language that gives us away. Yikov Hadin Sahar means that, it means literally that the halacha has to bore through a mountain. Well, if the halacha was easy, Goranowitz, you wouldn't have to bore through any mountains, right? There wouldn't be any trailblazing, if you will, in the common language, if it was a Pashat halacha. But here you gotta really dig deep. But once you bore through this mountain, you see that she should bring a fatty chatas. That certainly it's a problem in the halachic process. So the fact that you have to bore through a mountain sounds like he thinks it's a taos, but still he's gonna say that she's gonna bring, uh, that, that, that again, if, if she's, if it's a taos, I don't know what I just said, the fact that she has to bring a chatas indicates, but obviously the fact that she has to bring a chatas, right, indicates that it's a toss, right? If, if it was a fact, a problem in the logic process, it, she would not have to bring a chatas. So again, Rebeleza says she does have to bring a chatas, which, as the Gemara points out, indicates that he sees that it was a toss, right? So that's why she has to bring the carbon, right? But if Rebeleza had thought, that it was simply a problem in the halachic process and a my master carbon, then the halacha would be like the, like the, uh, Mishnah, that she does not have to bring a carbon. Now the Gemara asks, wait a minute. Right? Well, maybe the reason why Beliezer, right? He, now the Gemara is bringing us back to the Machlokas and Horios. This concept of hara versus tos, right, is really the Mishnah and Horios. This whole distinction, Goranot said, why do we care whether it's a blunder or a halachic decision, right? Why, why do we care if it's a blunder, so to speak, in the Metzias or in the halachic process? Well, we only care because the Mishnah Horius makes that distinction. They have a machlokas about whether it's just a blunder in Metzias, whether you have to bring a carbon chatas or not, right? So our Mishnah says you don't have to bring a carbon chatas. So we assume, like the Shita in Horius, that says that that's a reflection of the fact that, that it was a halachic pro- uh, problem. And that's why we don't have to bring a carbon chatas. But our Gemara is saying, well, maybe we hold like the other day in Horios. And we simply hold, Rebbe Lezer, who says that you have to bring a carbon chatas, maybe he holds that you have to bring a carbon chatas, regardless of whether it was a problem in the Lachic process 
or in Metzius. And that's why he says that she has to bring a, a chatas shmena. Says the Gemara, no. That's, pro- that's unlikely because imkain ma'yikov adin esahar. Because listen to the language of Rabbi Lezer. Rabbi Lezer said that we have to trailblaze over here in order to be mechaiver the chatas. That trailblazing is, doesn't sound, right? If he held that you have to bring a chatas regardless, then it wouldn't have to uh, look into the sugya so deeply. It's only when we have to look in the sugya so deeply and confuse ourselves about whether this is a problem in the halachic process or in the metzias that we really have to, uh, so to speak, dig into this mountain and really try to delve into it. But if we held that you have to bring a carbon chatas regardless, so then we wouldn't be delving. We would know right away. It would be easy peasy. So the fact that Rebbe didn't think this was an easy sugi at all indicates that he was doing this um, splitting the atom as we're trying to do as to what was the cause of the mistake of Bezdin. Good. Fine. So now, the two dots in the middle of Tzadi Bezim at Aleph. Horua Bezim Linase. Finally, what's the mission say at the, at the end over here? That the, the, the Bezdin ruled that she can remarry and said the Mishnah, if she went and she had some sort of inappropriate act, kill killer, she did, right, she got the permission to, to remarry but she didn't just remarry. She went and did something inappropriate. We don't, let's see what that inappropriate thing is. We said if she does that, then she does have to bring a carbon because all they allowed her to do was to remarry Kadas Moshe Yisrael, like a kosher uh, wedding. But she went and did something wrong. What was it she did wrong? That's what the Gemara wants to know. My kilkel, what was this immoral kilkel that she did? So Lezar Omer Zinsa. She went and she did Non, right? She, she was with the guy without actually getting married. Okay. She, she, um, why did she do that? I don't know, but that's what she did. She went ahead and she didn't get married. Now, okay. So, so that is certainly uh, going to be a scenario where she's going to have to bring carbon chatas. Rabbi Yochanan Amar, Almana Lakoin Gadol, Grushevachalutza Lakoin Hedyot. Rabbi says, that no, the way that she was mekalkel was not chas v'shalom, that she, that she just went ahead and uh, lived with a man without a wedding, but she did something that was also an isolav. She did get married, but it wasn't good. She was an alman, she got married to a kohen gadol, or having been divorced at some point, or chalutza, she got married to a kohen hedjot. Now the Gemara is going to flesh it out just a little bit more. Mandam or zinsa kol shekein alman ala kohen gadol. Certainly, which is worse, you would say. Well, it sounds like Getting married with an Isra love is worse. Get, having, right, living with a guy without getting married is definitely a kilkul and would require a korban, but if you hold that that requires a korban, then you would certainly hold, as Rebbe does, so he would certainly hold that in the case of Rebbe Yochanan, of the Amman al Gadol, that she'd also have to bring a korban chatas. However, the converse is not true. That if you hold like Rabbi Yochanan, that it had, that the case of Kilkel was one of where she was an Almana, let's say, and she married a Kohen Gadol, or then that is the only case where she would have to bring a Korban. But if she was just Mizana afterwards, and, and, um, married, and, and had relations without getting married, she would not have to bring a Korban. My time, what's the reason? Because the Amr, you could say, the Shavisin Pnuya. Because again, if she had marriage, Without, if she had rather relations without marriage, then she would be putter of Corbin. Why? Because she'll tell the Bezdin as follows: You made me a pnuya. Oh, so since you made me a pnuya, I don't have to listen to you anymore, and I have and and I can essentially like do 
what I want, right? And I'm taking this permission right right away, right? I'm taking this permission at face value, and I should be exempt from from uh, from the chatas. But of course, she can never claim that that even even if they made a penuya, she can never claim that it's mutter for her to marry a coin gadol if she's an almana or a coin hedjud if she's a grush of a chalusa, because that's a that's an explicit law in the Torah. So now we have support for Abelazar and Biochanan's followers. Tanya can say to Biochanan, which is Haru Bezin Li Nase, we have a Brisa that supports Rabbi Yochanan. Again, Rabbi Yochanan said that she doesn't bring a Corbin in the case where she was just Mazana, she only brings it in a case where she did an Isra Lav. Why? Because the Brisa says as follows, that if the Bezdin, right, told her that she could go and get remarried, that's the language of our mission, that she went and did a Kilkul, and then the Brisa is explicit, like Rabbi Yochanan. What's the case of Rabbi Yochanan? Could go to Almana, Lakoin Gadol, Kushavachalutz, Lakoin Yadja. So see, that, that is, the fact that it would be applicable to a woman when she was declared a panuya, and she can go, and then she goes and, and uh, lives with a guy without marriage, that's not mentioned in the b'risa. Only the Isuri Lav of Rabbi Yochanan are mentioned in the b'risa. Uh, then the Hemshech of the b'risa is not as relevant for, as a raya, right? The b'raya to Rabbi Yochanan is, is simply that that's the case that's spelled out in the b'risa. But once we're already reading the b'risa, let's just read what that uh, the continuation of the brisa is, which is chayevus bekorban al kol biya, and not only is she chayev a korban in the case of almanal kohen gadol gushvuchol for getting married, she's chayev a korban for every time she cohabited with this guy. <laughs> so she lived with him for ten years. She has to have an estimate. She's going to be bringing chataim for well, I don't know for a while. She's going to bring a lot of korban chatas. This is reminiscent to me, Andrew. So you say, this shouldn't be reminiscent to you of anything. No, but remember we said, oh my goodness, I wish I remembered which gadol this was, who counted up, right, he was waiting for Mashiach to come, and he counted up, uh, kept the track of when he was Michal Shabbos Bishogeg. Was this a ton? Was this somebody in the Gemara? We learned this in Masech Shabbos, I believe. He counted up all the times he was Michal Shabbos Bishogeg, because when Mashiach comes, and they build the base of Mikdash, he wants to be able to bring all the carbon chatas. This was probably learned it in, in, the, in the beginning of, um, right in Dafayin Gimel and Shabbos, where the whole reason why we learn the Lamates Malachas, right in Ayin Gimel, is because to teach you that you're high of carbon chatas, I'll call chatas v'chatas, I'll call malacha v'malacha, right? Chiluke Malachas Shabbos. So he kept track of the Shogeg, right? Of all the shogig to bring multiple chatas. So here, this woman has to keep track of kol biyavabia according to Divir Rebbe Lazar. That no, she just brings one korban chatas on 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 one thing on on the whole thing, which was on this whole relationship. Again, a side point with respect to our issue, but Chachamim will agree with Rebbe Lazar that if she married five different women, five different men rather. Uh, that she would have to be high of carbon on all, on each act. Therefore, it's this act of marriage, right? It's each act of marriage that she's going to be high of to bring the carbon for, right? But it's not each my sabiya. That's the machlokas over here. But be that as it may, the Bryce says what? Right? So that is a data point to support our main man, the Gadol Ador Rabbi Yochanan, that it's actually going to be only that case for which she would have to bring a korban, and not the case of when she went and the kil- the case of kilkul in our mishnah is referring to the isrlav and not to the right the zinsa of the non married relations. Good. So we find ourselves now in the mishnah 
on the wide lines of Tzadik Beis and Aleph. And the Mishnah discusses as follows. Another case. Our first, this is the second Mishnah in the 10th the parak. First Mishnah was the husband died. Now, a uh, more tragic case. Ha'ishish, I think. Right? It's not just her husband now. It's her husband and her son. Both of them. Both of them were lost. Tragedy strikes. And both the, the husband, Chas V'Shalom, and the son are lost. And they both have witnesses that they died. Now, it matters who died first. Why? Because this was an only child. To add insult to injury. A terrible situation. Now, the father, so again, you have a woman with a husband, the husband and an only child. And this husband has a brother. Well, guess what? If the child died first, so then the woman would have to go to a Yavam, right? Because after all, the child died first, which means that her husband died childless. Therefore, she, therefore that would make her, we're back in the world of Yavamas. That would make her husband, right, her husband's brother a Yavam and make her a Yavama. But if the husband died first, then he did not die childless. And therefore, she'd be mutter l'shuk. And therefore, when tragedy strikes, her only son and her husband both are declared dead. Uh-oh. She, not only does she have a conundrum of can she get remarried, but she doesn't know. Does she marry anybody in the shuk? Or does she have to marry the brother and do yibum? That's quite a conundrum. So let's read it inside. If the Adam say that first the husband died and then your son died, so then Venice says and she gets married. So now she gets married, meaning she marries anybody because her husband died first, which means he didn't die childless. Turns out, no, her son died first and she should have done Yibum. What do we do? She has to leave the second husband. Mind you, this is, she found out way too late that, that in fact her, her child died first. So what ended up happening, in the interim, she already had a child with her second husband. So now, hello, good morning. So now, the Vlad, Rishon, Ve'achron, Mamzer. Both Vladim are going to be Mamzerim. Unbelievable. We will see what Rishon and Achron means in the Gemara. But the, but certainly the, the son, right, of the, of the second husband is going to be Mamzer because she wasn't supposed to marry him. Mida Arisa. She had a Zika, as we've said many times, to the brother of her deceased husband. Wow. What about the, the opposite case? Well, that would mean that she would have to marry the Yabam. And that's what she did. So she married the Yabam as per the testimony. And they said, no, you know, the truth of the matter is, when your husband died, he did not die childless. He died before your son. Uh-oh. Well, then what's she doing with her, his brother? Why is she married to his brother? Teitze, so it's there too. Teitze, Vavlad, Rishon, Vachor, Mom's there. Basically, anybody that she had children with subsequently is going to be Mom's there because this is a real conundrum. This is a problem. Mida, Raisa. Wow. So, Amrullah, Meis, Baalech, Venises. Okay, so now, let's say a different case of erroneous information. Not with the son. But Amrullah Meis Baalech Venises. So she was told her husband died. She got married. And then, not that he showed up, but she had Adam that said that he that at the time a different thing. At the time uh, that we, that you got remarried, right? That husband was still alive, but it happens to be that he's dead now. 
So there was never a time where he actually showed up in the backyard like the previous Mishnah. But there's a testimony that he was alive at the time of her remarriage. Oh, so then we say, that's why it says Vlad Rishon and Vlad Achron. Now we're gonna, the Gemara is going to end up saying that this, it, it, it's, it's because of the second case that we said Rishon and Achron in the first case. It's very confusing to say first and second child in the first case. But here it makes sense. Vlad Rishon, so she said, Vlad Rishon Mamzer, Vlad Eno Mamzer. So there it makes sense, right? Because again, we said that your first husband was alive and then he died. So what that means is that the husband that she had, right? And she has to leave the second husband, but the child that she had from the first, right? From, from, from when the husband was still alive, he's going to be a mamzer. But the child that was conceived after the husband died, that child is not going to be a mamzer. And we'll flesh this out in the Gemara. But that's why it says Vlad Rishon and Vlad Achron in the first case also. Because in this second case, there was a child that was conceived when her husband was still alive. At that point, she was an Ashish Ish, albeit erroneously, it's still a Mamzer. And then there was a point in time where he was conceived after the husband died. That one it will not be a Mamzer. Unbelievable. That is true of Nisuin. But what if you have a case where there was no consummation? Uh, nobody, no children here, but rather just Kiddushin. So there we're going to learn... So would you say that all of these chumras that we learned from the first Mishnah of, um, it would apply in Kiddushin as well? That all you have to do is have Kiddushin and you're still going to be punished? Let's see. Amr la meis ba'aleich ben kacha. All she did was Kiddushin. Ve'achakach ba'ala muteres lachzolo. Right? So she had Kiddushin and then ba'ala shows up. Right? Achakach ba'ala muteres lachzolo. She can go back to her husband and it's as if the Kiddushin didn't happen. Av bishin asla achron get. Now, this is going to be a fascinating case. One of the few cases where the second husband gives her a get, but it's not, but she'd be able to go back, Barry, even if her original husband was a coin. It's like a, it's a symbolic get, but it's not a get that makes her a mamish grusha. That's the chiddush here, right? Isn't that amazing? In other words, this is the, the rare case where a woman has a get in hand and is not, and is, can still marry. So if you're ever at a cocktail party, somebody asks you, when did she get a get, but still marry a coin? The answer is when she got an ero- a get erroneously, right, thinking that, uh, that the only reason she got a get was she was mekadish, but not, did not have any soon with a man, thinking that her husband was dead. Edzu Darsh Rabalazar, right, Ben Masya. That was his, that was his, uh, his drasha because, after all, the Pasuk says, Bisha grusha meisha, right, when the woman is, right, uh, divorced, she can't marry a coin. But that's only me'isha, from a person that she had issues with, right? But if she's divorced by get, with a person she just had kiddushin with, below me'isha ain't isha. That's considered not issues yet, and therefore that is not real grusha for purposes of not being able to marry a coin. Fine, so now the Gemara is just going to ask what Rishon and Achron meant in the first clause of our mission where it made no sense. Says the Gemara, my Rishon, my Achron, ilay me Rishon lifnei shmua, v'achron, la'achar shmua, if you're going to say, wait a minute, the first child was before they received the report, and the Achron is after they received the report that he died. So listen, Vlad Mamzer. So the mission should have just said that the Vlad is a Mamzer, right? Because either way, <laughs> in other words, don't forget, in the first case of the Mishnah, it's whether it's the Rishon or the Achron that the Vlad is Mamzer. So we wouldn't even have to specify whether it's before or after the report. We just say, she, it was erroneous, the husband is still alive, the Vlad's always going to be Mamzer. You don't have to get into Rishon Achron. That only confuses matters. And so the Gemara says, no, Mishim Seifa, what we just said outside before, when we learned the Mishnah. But because in the second case, um, 
that where the where the right where we find out that the husband died by the time she had the second child, because in that second case the achron is not a mamzer. That's why, just to keep the Mishnah, don't forget, this was Torah Shabbat they were memorizing it, they kept the Mishnah's uniform. It is only for that reason that the Reisha of the Mishnah has the Rishon and Achron. But really, you're right. Otherwise, it would have, could have just said a Vlad Mamzer, it would have been a lot less confusing. So the Gemara Mishim the Kabayi, the Mishnah Seifa, Amulal Mes Balech, Vanisais, Vachakach, Amulal Kayim, Ayah Mes, Harishon Mamzer, Vachron, Ain Mamzer, because of that din we just said in the Mishnah, that it has to do with when the husband, in the case where it matters when the husband died, that's Tananami Reisha. That's why we also had that structure. In the beginning of the Mishnah, Rishon Vachron Mamzer, that's what we had to keep it uniform. But you're right. In the Mishnah, in the ratio of the Mishnah, it doesn't make any logical sense. It just is more um, fitting with the pattern of the rest of the Mishnah. Fine. Now, what about these Mamzerim? Right? Is that that would only be true according to Rabbi Kiva that the children of Mamzerim. Why? Because Rabbi Kiva famously, we've already said this, has the Shita Shayomer, ain't Kiddushin Tovsin Bechayve Lavin, right? That the Kiddushin isn't Tophis, and that would make her, right, if the Kiddushin is not Tophis and Chayve Lavim, so then the children will be Mamzerim. Avachachamim Amim, ain Mamzerim Yavama. You can't just, because remember, the concept of what? We've already learned this. We're learning Yavamas, right? Yavama Lashuk. A Yavama who doesn't do Yibum, but marries anybody else, that's an Isser Lav. That's an Isser. To, to be sure, but it's an Isser Lav. It would only be, according to Rabbi Kiva, that the children be Mamzerim for such a union. Ah, ah, Velema ain Mamzer Mechayve Lavin, but maybe Chachavim should say that it's not a Mamzer because of Chayve Lavin. So, so the Gemara says, Hi Tana. This Tana, um, right, that the Bryce is quoted, Hach Tana the Rabbi Kiva who. It's a Tana who holds like Rabbi Kiva, the Amr Mechayve Lavin, the She'er Havi Mamzer. So that we've already discussed as well. You could split the difference between this chayve lavin and this chayve lavin. Chayve lavin that has to do with what with she'er, with with marriage, with like what we'd call inch ishus or arayas, uh, right? That would produce a mamzer about mechayve lavin. Great, they love a mamzer, but just regular a non non uh, non arayas chayve lavin, such as right a yavam l'shuk. So that would not produce a mamzer. Okay, so now let's say a yavama again going back to yavama accepting kedushin. So we talked about Nisun, but what about Kiddushin? Forget about the, the this issues. What about Kiddushin? So Amr of Yehuda, as we turn to Amr Bey's at the hopeless time of 6.20 a.m., but tomorrow's stuff is very short, Andrew, so don't give me this thing. Hi, Amr Rav. How do we know that Kiddushin are not Tofus B'Yavama? Right? What's going on here? Again, huh. this whole case only works if the Kiddushin is Tofsin, Andrew. But we have a different idea. We're learning Yavamas, right? So did we never, it's amazing. We haven't considered this yet. We're already on Sadiq base. And we talked about what happens if a, if a Yavama tries to, to marry somebody, Bishuk, even though she's a Yavama. Would that Kiddushin even be Tophis? So there we have here, I'm a Rav, that there is a evidence that it would not be Tophis. Why? Shanema. There's an, there's an Isser. The, the Pasuk says, Lotia Eishas Hamesa Chutzelishzar. That's the Isser Lav, right? The Pasuk says, Beferish, that when you have a Yavama, she's not allowed to marry anybody other than the Yavim. That's a Beferish Lav in the Torah. So, lot, so but it says, Lotihiye. Says the Drasha, Lotihe Bahavaya Lazar. Right? You can't, which is to say, even if she tried it, she, it wouldn't work. There'd be no Havaya to this Kiddushin. So, Be'ani Yuseinu, Shmuel Amar Be'ani Yuseinu Tzricha Get. Unbelievable. Shmuel says, Rashi says, an unbelievable, first Rashi, it's like Be'ez and Be'ez, Mitoch Aniyos Da'atenu. Shein ani yodin perish amikra because 
of the fact that we are feeble-minded in our generation, so to speak, Shmuel says, and we don't realize that it means that in Kedushin Tovsin, it is only for that reason that Bizman halachically, we would give a get just so that there's no problem. In other words, if we had a, a super in-tune, well-versed generation, then everybody would know this drush of Havaya and we, there would be no need for a get because we would understand that even an attempted Kiddushin of Yavama does not work, it's not tofes, it's gurnished mit gurnished, and you don't even need a get. But because not everybody knows that, we don't want there to be any confusion, therefore we actually uh, demand that she does have a get. Okay. So, And the Gemara is explaining, what does he mean, Aranius? He's saying that we ourselves have a suffix. We were not so sure Rav was a big tzaddik and he understood this Havaya. He had the Siyad Shemaya to understand that Havaya meant that the condition isn't tofes. But if you just read Losiyeh Ishes Ames, we think maybe it means that it's a love. But in fact, the condition is tofes. So Amalei Rav Mari Barachel, we already discussed, we met him before, why he was attributed to his mother because his father was a guy. Leravashi, Hachi Amar Meimar, Halacha Kavasei de Shemuel. Right? That he says Halacha is like Shemuel, which is to say, we're not going to take any chances and we are going to give a get. So Amar Vashi, now that we said that the Lacha is like Shmuel, the Yavama who tries, attempts Kiddush and needs a get, if the Yavam, in fact, was a Kohen, so now we have an added right element of, of complication here. Because then if she's a Kohen, another man went, went and married her, then the Yavam has to perform Chalitza. She, and what happens there is visharyale. She's permitted to the husband. It's one of these conundrums. Because she would need a get for Yibum, as Rashi explains, right? Again, if we hold like Shmuel, that means we need a get. And then there's a chain reaction. Because if she gets a get from Shmuel, now it's a bad look for her to marry the Kohen, right? Mm-hmm. Even though we said already in our Mishnah that she's not possible to Kahuna. But again, we're living in like a real halacha and ma'isa generation, Shmuel says, where we have to give a get because it looks bad. And once we give a get and it looks bad, now we're not going to let her do yibum either with the kohen because that looks bad and we're going to request chalitza. So the Gemara says, wait a minute, isguri iskar, imkein matzinu chotan iskar. Wait a minute. But then the husband that married her, in other words, she had her eyes on Shmerel and the kohen was Beryl. And so she goes ahead and marries Shmerel. So we say, you know what, Shmerel? Um, right? So, so, so we say... Now, give her again, she's going to get chalitza, and she could go back to him, right? And, and, there, and then it's going to be chote niskar, that because she went out of bounds and did not go to her yavam, now she can go back to Shmerel. <laughs> Says the Gemara, Elaima ya yavama Yisrael, nothing like it, Shani get, right? Vahutralo. That ain't a chinami, but Ravashi was saying that if he was, in fact, the yavam was Yisrael, Right, so then she would be permitted to the yavam, and there would not be a case of chote niskar. So he does agree, right, that she's not permitted right, to, to be with her second husband, but the point was that it does not prohibit her to the Yavim if he's in Israel. So that's why he had, to, he had to rule that if the Yavim was not a Kohen, she has to get a get from the second husband, and then he's allowed to do Yibum with the Yavim. This is, that is a complicated element that the, uh, that the Ritva uh, um, brings up. We'll pick up tomorrow from the middle of Tzadik Beis Amit Beis with Amar Rav Gidel, Amar Rav Chia, Bezat Hashem.